Thank you for tuning into Femina Lowdown. Be sure to follow our Instagram and Twitter at Femina underscore Lowdown to keep in the loop, ask questions, and get the lowdown. There's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. Just kidding. It's me, Jeanette, the wholesome one. I'm Sydney. I'm Genesis. And I'm Raquel. And welcome to Femina Lowdown. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. This episode, we're going to be talking about all the events that really could have ruined our Mardi Gras trip and even going deeper and addressing some of the controversy of Mardi Gras itself. With that, we do want our listeners to know that today we will be discussing themes of racism and sexism surrounding Mardi Gras. Uh, we will be sharing a very personal event that we experienced together. We want to acknowledge that although we will be touching on race, we do recognize that we are not black and we will never understand what it's like to live as a black person in the United States. All right, so let's jump right in and go to night number one. Yeah, we were actually waiting for the ghost tour. We were there, just ready. We got our tickets. Um, and Sydney and I received one of the hardest news that I think always gets me emotional when I think about our dear friend Cody had passed away the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not the best way to start. A trip. Mm -hmm. A trip, you know, just getting those news and not knowing how to react and being surrounded by people while we're receiving those news. It was not. Yeah. And, you know, I I didn't know right away. So Mm -hmm. you had received a text message, I think, from a friend and um, you went to a bathroom. And I remember that you were in the bathroom dealing with it and you were kind of like in the bathroom crying. Mm -hmm. And... Jeanette and Raquel came and got me and told me there's something wrong with Genesis there's something wrong with Genesis so I went and I was like what's wrong why are you crying why are you crying and then you showed me the messages and we didn't know what else to do and we just our bodies just took over and we just emotionally broke down and yeah it was hard because like that happened and like we I think we spent like the last or the next hour and a half or whatever like I called my mom and Mm -hmm. I called um, called Leslie. Mm-hmm. We called our friend Leslie mm-hmm. and just what what happened? Like, can you tell us what happened? And just spent the time to really mourn our friend. But we had to like you know turn that off. And we're at, we're at Mardi Gras. We were at Mardi Gras, which was really hard because the next day they did a memorial for him, and we couldn't mm-hmm. go. And I think that um, we took the time like that we needed to, but we were already looking at flights to go home. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we, there was a big possibility we wouldn't have even stayed mm-hmm. at the trip. We were mm-hmm. looking at flights to go back home that exact night, um, just because we wanted to be with our friends, we wanted to be with our loved ones. Mourn our friend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we decided, like, no, we're going to stay, we're going to try to push forward, because part of it, obviously, we truly do believe that that's what he would have wanted to, just knowing... Knowing Cody, he would have said, no, girl, it's like, mm-hmm. chill, enjoy your time, it's fine, um, which is really hard for us to kind of snap, try to snap out of that, which, yeah. Yeah. That will probably be one of, like, the biggest moment that I remember from our first Mardi Gras trip. Yeah. But still thankful that we went and we came back and his services were the next day, so we made it for everything else, but. 
I really commend you all for staying because I remember being there with Jeanette and we really didn't know. I remember exactly where we were standing and I didn't know how to console you all or make you all feel better. So, and I definitely at that point thought like, okay, well, this is not a good way to start this. Half of our group, you know, might leave. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what to do. And so I really commend you all for staying during such a life-changing moment yeah agree. yeah and in a way also it kind of i think that that was the first first time that i was ever really vulnerable with you two mm-hmm. like raquel and jeanette like cindy and i had already gone through things together but that was the first time that i let myself that be shown to you all in the way that you accepted me and embraced me and mm-hmm. Sydney and allowed us to mourn and cry and were supportive. Um, that was just another step into our friendship as well for me. So right after that actually is when we did the ghost tour and then we hit the first parade and that's when we really first experienced a different side of Mardi Gras that I don't think we were expecting when we Mm-mm. went. Yes, yeah, so the first night going to the parades we were super pumped and excited to be at the parade uh we didn't have the greatest seat but we didn't have a bad seat at that parade and i remember making eye contact with people on the float and i was you know using my own tips for parades i was being super loud super festive And I would make eye contact with some of the guys on the float and they literally made eye contact and then looked away and threw it to people further down. And I remember getting all hurt about it. Like, okay, maybe, you know, that was just a weird moment. And Mm -hmm. then it kept happening. And so then I (laughs) turned to Raquel and I was like, I think they're racist. (laughs) And I didn't say it to the whole group because, you know, that's kind of... A big thing to say but then Raquel started feeling it too yeah because before I was over there having a great time screaming mm-hmm. and I wasn't catching anything but I was <laughs> pretty oblivious at that point until Jeanette said it and I said really and then I started looking at it differently and then it was true I think I caught maybe two things I mean after experience Mardi Gras we would go home with tons of things so for it to be weird or like there, we felt the vibe like it wasn't they weren't throwing things to us and they didn't want to so mm-hmm. and whether that was and you know we were women of color or people of color or because we were women i couldn't tell you but yeah definitely it felt weird and i think that's where my eyes personally started to open up to things that just seemed weird like mm-hmm. the whole the whole picture of it the way they were dressed what they look like um taking a step back yeah Mm -hmm. it did it really did make me look at the parade differently so we started looking at the actual costumes that the men were wearing on these floats and they all look very similar like you know they're all supposed to wear the same costumes but they looked very similar to robes and some of them were white like there you know there Mm -hmm. was some white robes and then they had like a yellow mask and like a yellow hat like a top hat looking thing and so they just yeah they eerily eerily similar to uh kkk wardrobe 
Just different and colors. Yes, correct. And mm-hmm. the more floats that went by, the more it, you know, it kind of followed that theme mm-hmm. where, you know, we didn't want to say it aloud, but it, we definitely got that vibe. And then... It looked really creepy. Yeah. Like, and uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to see. Mm-hmm. And we'll show some videos um, to show you because I did film a couple of them that made us feel weird. Um, but then also the men in between the floats who were walking that were holding torches of fire. Huge, which, like heavy, uh, yeah, big ones. Very heavy, like these huge wooden torches um, that are lit up. And they were in the form of crosses. Mm-hmm. They're like big crosses. And we also have a picture of that that we'll show you guys too. Something that really stuck out with the men who were holding those torches was they were all men of color. Majority of them. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not one white man that was holding those torches. That I remember. I don't remember that either. Yeah, and I remember thinking it was really strange. So after the fact, I looked it up. Why, why is this the way that it is? So I found out the history of the flame holders. Uh, they're called flambeau. I think it's a French word, but basically back when Mardi Gras first started, um, these torches were carried by slaves in order to light the original parade routes before there was street lighting. So it almost seemed like they were just carrying it on in present day. And you can tell they were heavy because they had to wear that belt around their waist. It was like a backpack thing. Yeah, and a belt that they had to put the cross in so that they can hold it yeah and even when we would get close to them uh, we could feel the heat mm-hmm. from oh, the yeah. flames yeah. and it was just like why is this a thing why is this normal and it just felt uncomfortable and mm-hmm. just weird and they were drenched in sweat and every time they would pa- like pause they would put it down yep. to rest mm-hmm. because of how heavy it was mm-hmm. and these parades are hours of you you yeah. know like if they're these parades go on and on and on so i cannot imagine how heavy those things must have been carrying them and it wasn't just the it wasn't just the people that were weird at the parades it was also the floats one thing we did know going to mardi gras was that the the crews that were made up of women were very were a huge minority compared to all the other crews that were mainly men and that goes back to you know the secret organizations characterized by exclusivity based on race gender and class so it wasn't a surprise to us that there was the feeling of women not being represented but when we actually saw it it was very surprising, I guess. Well, the floats that, you know, in the crews of men, they would have women plastered on the sides of their floats, making fun of them, making fun of, you know, presidential candidates, um, women in the media. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there were just so many. There was, you know, some of our Supreme Court, someone in the Supreme Court justice. There was like Rosie O'Donnell. Um, just nasty pictures yeah, of them. Like, m- quoting them saying things yes. that they wouldn't say or whatever they did say like hyping it up or twisting their words it was nasty it was you know it was meant to be joe you know meant to be very jovial joking around but when you see that and you're like wow that's actually not funny you know being a female you know like it so there was that and then the fact that there wasn't very many crews that were all female 
you know, said something in itself. Well, and I remember even some of the floats had jokes about other female crews. Do you remember? Yeah. They would call some of them out and it was just an eye-opening thing like, oh, this is the culture of Mardi Gras. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also just it's interesting to note that it took 100 years for women to even mm -hmm. be able to parade mm -hmm. in New Orleans. And also something, a shout out for the, for the female groups was some of their themes weren't even about the men, you know? They had Disney themes and- Martinis. And, yeah, yeah, and just Hills. all this fun. Yeah, all this female empowerment things that just made you so happy and proud that they, I felt like they didn't have to tear down other crews mm -hmm. just to make themselves feel better. And that's definitely the theme of the all male crews or the white, all male crews that were at Mardi Gras. Yeah, mm -hmm. even the costumes. So like, you know, the costumes of the men like look really eerie, but the women's like they're wearing fun wigs. Yes. They're wearing colorful, um, like masquerade masks that are glittered or mm -hmm. things like that. Sunglasses. Well, and it's just proof because uh, it's required by law for the float riders to wear masks in the parade, which I didn't know at first, but they choose a fun way to do it. Where yeah, the, a lot of the guy parades obviously picked that other route which goes back to goes back to the root being these secret organizations you know so i could see why they want to you know kind of keep that like have everyone dressed up in disguise but definitely there's different ways mm -hmm. that crews went about it for sure i mean there's so much history to mardi gras that we could do an entire podcast just dedicated to history if we wanted to but it's just crazy how it's evident Still today, um, I was deeply surprised when I read that it wasn't until 1992 that New Orleans passed legislation to desegregate the crews. That, that's not even that long ago. And even today, I read that there were throws just in this last year that were very, very racist. Mm -hmm. and I remember you showing us a picture of him. Yeah, maybe mm -hmm. we could put a link so that you all could read up if you're interested on more, but yeah, uh, one father was really upset because his two-year-old caught a caricature of a black boy mm -hmm. with a watermelon. And he said in the article, wow, my son experienced racism at two years old. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's still here. It was, that was just last February. Yeah. It's crazy to think how that took place. Like somebody had to have thought that. You know, like that had to have been a real thought. Like, let's throw this in this year's parade, you know? And so that's crazy to me. You know, who's sitting around that table making those ideas and putting on these parades that we go to and we enjoy? It's just really scary to think. So not only did we see this happening in front of us, but um, our third day there, we actually experienced a pretty significant racist experience. Yeah, it was our last day there, too. So, yeah, it was our last night. We, we'll start with, we were out of alcohol. Okay, that's the basis of this. We were out of alcohol, but we had a really bad seat in the parade that we were watching. And so when there was an intermission, right, to the next parade, yeah. we decided either we have to go get some more alcohol 
or we have to go find a better seat, which we were trying to do both. We were trying to walk along the parade and see if we could find anything. But well, we hadn't um, even drank that day. We hadn't even drank that day yet. So it was, do we? Because there was just so much going yeah, on. Yeah, there start? was so much going on. So it just worked out that way, that we were sober. And not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, us, we like to turn up and have a good time. So for us, it was just kind of like it just happened that way. And we decided we needed to split up to find a better parade spot, you know, because as we have said before, in order to get like the good throws, you need to be up against the fence and, you know, yelling, screaming and things like that. So we split up and two of the other girls found a spot, texted us to come over. So we did. We got to the spot and it was there it was up against the fence but it was very very small in order for all of us to fit together we literally stood like to the side like where our side was up against the fence and i remember that the the intermission had just ended so when me and genesis found the spot like they literally were closing the gate yeah so we were like oh oh, we'll stand we'll stand right here so when we all met up we were all standing like (laughs) really squished like yeah side by side Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so we definitely what there was not a lot of room we didn't have elbow room we were but you know we were happy we were like at the front so it was like a you know we felt like we got lucky what happened after that was i believe it was this group I don't know how old they were, but they were youngish. But it I re- I remember they were at least twenty one, so I know they're of drinking age. Well, and apparently they, that's what they left for to, to go, go get drinks. Go, mm-hmm. They went to go get more drinks. So I yes. guess that they were in the spot where we were, and then they left, mm-hmm. and so it's a free for all. So we took their spot, or it wasn't their spot. It wasn't their spot. We we, we, we found, found a spot. A spot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then. One of the guys was really adamant about trying to get his girlfriend along the fence because that's where you want to be for the good stuff. And he asked us, right, multiple times. Yeah, he said, he said, hey, can my girlfriend get up with you guys? And at first we, we were just said, no, And I remember, no, no, I remember we weren't even rude about it. I remember, like, we looked at each other like, where? Yeah, like, like how? How, how can we do here? it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't even like, oh, my God, no. It, yeah. We, we, I just remember us looking at each other like, where is she going to fit? We're already we don't have room. to the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what somebody said. Somebody said there's no room. I don't remember who said it. Um, but they said there's no room. And then that's when he proceeded to tell us that he was there previously to us getting that spot so they went to go get drinks so then the lady next to us is the one who told him well then you shouldn't have left which she was correct you know in saying that like you don't put your name down and they didn't have chairs set out or anything but it was that comment that really started to boil them up like they were not happy that that was said Mm -hmm. that they shouldn't have left so then i think the parade kind of started started and i remember they were behind us and i don't know if they were talking amongst themselves but then i distinctly remember the guy kind of reaching in front of us pointing at the fence and this fence is one of those like metal barricades right so he points at it and he says are you all even allowed to be here? Is this reserved or is this reserved for you? Does it have your name? Are you even allowed to be here? Do you all even have your green cards? And I remember that's what I was like shocked. And I have a, 
tendency to react with a hothead sometimes. So my instinct was to just turn around and I smacked his beer out of his hand. And I was, I don't know what I said to him, but I probably- <laughs> But we were him. mad. We were yeah. pissed. And like, rightly like, so. It was shocking. I mean, I, so I knocked the beer out of his hand and I said something probably mean, hopefully. And <laughs> I remember the the people kind of off to the side were bit, said, said whoa 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 and I said no did you hear what he just said and then they didn't say anything they left us alone and I think it kind of shocked him maybe that I hit his drink out of his hand so he kind of backed up and we all just went back to our positions but we were heated we were heated Mm -hmm. by now yeah Mm -hmm. but then it just kept getting worse and worse like these so this is a group so I remember it being the girlfriend, the guy, and two more girls and another guy. Mm-hmm. And the girls decided to get in, yeah. to get the girls decided to get in front of the guys and what the parade's happening, so we're catching things. We're having a really good time. And they're just getting more mad because they're not catching things. And yep. these girls start like bouncing on us, dancing on us. They have their drinks over our heads we're and they're cheersing. like clanging them, cheersing yeah. and so it's like spilling on mm-hmm. us. Yeah. But it was intentional. Like, yes. It wasn't like they were oh, just yeah. vibing. No, they were intentionally trying to push up on us, throw their drinks at us, and so we could tell. But they kept oh, definitely. Saying, like, they kept saying yeah. racist comments. Yeah. They, they said mul- multiple things, and we were just getting more and more mad. But their whole point was to make us so uncomfortable that, that we, we would, would voluntarily leave. leave. And it just fired us up. But we looked at each other, and we were like, we are not leaving. So we stood our ground. Mm-hmm. And I think there was even one point where I started, you know, to get teary eyed because I was so pissed and I was so mad. And Jeanette looks at me and she's like, don't you cry. Don't you start crying because if they see this, they're going to just keep doing it more and more. So I had to like suck it in and we just and try to find different. Yeah. And yeah. try to find different ways to like kind of push back. So like when the music was on, we're like booty bumping them and pushing them and waving our hands all big. So we kind of hit them and things like that. And it didn't stop them from keep coming. And I think this is where that blessing comes in that we didn't drink because we know ourselves. And I think, you know, if alcohol would have been a player in all this, we don't think that the situation would have been handled the way it was. Um, so that's why we say it was a blessing in disguise how it played out. But I do remember before it started really amping up, I had like a very like, not good feeling and I remember it was a pause in the parade and I was like looking past the float and I was just praying to God and I literally said aloud like give us the strength and give us the patience like I literally like said that aloud for us like please God give us the strength give us the patience um and it did. I mean, I don't. Maybe God did give us that. That I do, we believe, got. I do believe it was some divine intervention because I mean, you know me, you know Sydney. We we can't <laughs> control ourselves sometimes. Oh, we know when we, when we when we get going. So I don't know what stopped us, but I do remember the prayer, and I think that that definitely helped us. So what finally? Yeah, did it. Tipped so, him over. Mm-hmm. Yep. What mm-hmm. Finally, set it off was. I was screaming and waving and they threw me these like huge beads. They were some of those really big ones and I caught them and the girl reached her hand on the side to try and get them. But I got them first and I put them on my neck and this girl, she had the audacity to try and take them off of my neck 
to take them for herself. They were already there. And she physically picked them up. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I turned around and I smacked her hand away. And before I knew it, as soon as I smacked her hand away, I had all these girls on me. And I don't know. And the boyfriend. No, the guy. Yeah, the The guy guy. got on me. Yeah, I don't know how many there were. that's what was... Yeah, that's what was stopping me. Like, I was pressed up against the fence, and I was trying to look back, and it was because they were trapping Raquel. Yeah, the guy was. All I knew was that all of a sudden, I smacked her hand, and all of a sudden, I was slammed onto that metal barricade. And I remember being pushed so far on it and, like, throwing my elbows trying to get off, and I remember not physically being able to get off. And I feel like I have some strength and I couldn't and I I remember and they were like pulling at my clothes because I physically heard my my sweater rip and I couldn't get up I was just like pinned to this fence yeah pinned yeah and that's when I was I was trying to get in between to get him off you because like you said they were all yeah gaining up on you and I couldn't like no matter how much I tried to get him off yeah and then this one little bitch was like (laughs) With her little plastic, what did you say it was? It was like, a martini glass. Like a martini glass started like slamming me like on the head and my in my arm, and then it finally like breaks in half, and I just look at her and I go, "Bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how we got them off of you. I know. Out. I was like, it was a big jumbled mess because I was fighting with my girl, and that's where she poured her margarita on my damn head, like the whole fucking margarita, and I remember. I don't remember. I don't want to repeat what I said. It was just like some cuss words, you know, that I don't usually say. <laughs> but it, it, it was all like a big jumbled so much going on. We all had our different views of it. But so after that, like I turn over to Sydney and that's when I saw this guy Who's literally bigger than me. Yeah. A, a big guy. Like, yeah, yeah. A tall guy. Literally choke sydney like and it was so mortifying like even when i i mean i don't tell this story very much like very often do i ever tell the story but when i tell people i'm like i i could not grasp seeing his hand grab her neck but then he squeezed he literally freaking squeezed her neck like he wanted to hurt her and that was so traumatizing and I started screaming and the girl was like are you kidding me and I'm like and I just started yelling I'm like you don't touch a woman like that and I remember my voice was hoarse like I was so mortified that 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 even happened I mean Sydney like what I just I I didn't know like what to do so um Jeanette and Genesis were in this tussle with these other girls and I can just see this guy pulling on Raquel and I was just like get off of her get off of her take your hands off of her and I went to grab him and because I grabbed him I don't know what and he just turned to me and he just started to choke me and I froze and it's just like not like me because I've been taught oh you kick a guy in the balls or you fight back or things like that and I just froze because I've never been touched by a man like that like somebody to grab me and what's crazy is all these people were around us. Mm-hmm. Nobody there, did a no. thing. There were so many people around us and nobody helped us. And it was like we weren't drunk. We weren't acting out of character or acting up or anything like that. We were literally at a parade just trying to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And nobody helped us. Yeah. 
So I, he, his friends finally pulled him off of me. Yep. And I like stood there and these cops walk by and I'm telling people who are standing in the parade with us. I'm like, please get those cops, get those cops, get those cops. And again, nobody does anything. So I physically jumped the fence mm-hmm. and I ran to the cop and I said, I just, I just got assaulted. I just got choked. I just got choked. So he came and it was just like a quick it feels so quick to me now like the cop wrote down information and they were asking us questions and then he asked me he goes um do you do you want to press charges and I should have and I really wish that I should have and I said no because you know I'm I, I'm barely out of college I don't have a good job and things like that and it, I like all these things ran in my head is like how am I going to be able to afford to fly back to New Orleans if I have to press charges um but I really wish I would have because one he could have possibly been pressed charges for assault but also um a race related assault you know it wasn't just because of anything he, they were attacking people of color and they made that very clear yeah. with the first comment of do you all even have your green cards, which is completely not okay to say to anybody. So, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there was so much more in into that, too, when you had to jump the fence yourself to go get them. I remember yeah. you coming back, and I remember feeling a sense of relief that the cops were black. Yes. Just because the group behind us were these drunk, white, probably college kids, and here we were. It, it, it just made the whole thing about race the minute mm-hmm. they started saying all those things. So then when it came down to it, it was like, okay, thank God that these cops are people of color. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and even when they, they left, I remember, I think when the guy friends finally pulled the guy off of you is when they started to retreat. And when I finally yeah. got off of the fence, because I didn't see all of that. I was too busy being pinned down and as soon as I got free I remember I turned around with my fists ready and I remember my fists were ready to start flying and I had I was like mid mid I remember and I stopped and the girl's face was right in front of me and I and I remember as they backed away they threw their drinks into mine and Jeanette's oh, face again yeah, that's I, like, right. I like stopped from swinging mm-hmm. on her just to get a drink to the face and then I remember putting my hands like down and just shaking my head like and that's super out of character for me, but I'm glad oh that we God. didn't react that way because fighting is looked down upon at all these events. And had we reacted in that way, who's to say what side exactly enforcement, mm-hmm. law enforcement would have taken or the people around exactly. us even. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's wild. And that's the part where I want to say that if, if it would have happened now, that shit would not have gone down the, the way it did. I want to believe that I would have... T- and I know we say not to, but I feel like I would have fucking swung. Like no, I would have defended I, myself. Yes. We would have mm-hmm. pressed charges. I would have done everything and anything I could have done. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the part where, again, I recognize that, like, we can say that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to defend myself and I'm going to go and press charges. And re- realizing that people of color don't get the same justice. They don't get the same equality when it comes to things like that. So... Yes, it would be different, and we can't guarantee we would have even been treated correctly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it was definitely a really, like we said, significant moment for us um, that we experienced it together, that we experienced it, you know, in New Orleans, that we 
I think we held ourselves in a really respectable manner. You know, like we were able to come out of it saying we didn't do anything that we regretted. Mm-mm. And then also that we, I mean, we went, we went back to the hotel that night and we were scared. We legitly like felt fear. We were scared walking the to guy, the hotel. The guy stayed, the guy stayed up against the fence. And I remember the police telling us like, we're trying to get them removed, but know that that doesn't mean anything as far as like removing them from the street we you know can't like, physically remove yeah, them. yeah and so we you know we understood that um we stayed for the end of the parade but then we went home and we took turns like looking behind us just to make sure we weren't being followed but we definitely felt well, very different it, leaving that parade right so it's important to say that like despite all the drinks the beer and the margaritas on us the ripped sweater the sydney being choked I don't know if we had a conversation about it or we just looked at each other and as a consensus decided that we we were still going to stay. And this happened at the beginning of the parade. This wasn't in the middle. And like we said, these parades are really, really long. But as a group, we decided because the whole point, the whole motive of their actions was to make us feel unwelcome and, and feel like we needed to leave. And I think it says a lot about our strength and the fact that we made the decision to stay even after that and watch the parade and we're set on trying to make the most of our last night there. And despite the fact that I had to look over my shoulder every five seconds because I didn't know if these mm-hmm. dudes were going to come back with a vengeance. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think not only did we just try to make the most of our last night there, but then moving forward we still wanted to go to the last parade the next morning, which was our last, after that parade, we were going to go home. So I think even that, even us still like wanting to go to the next parade and end out our trip says a lot about us too. Like we weren't scared to go. And thankfully so, because that parade ended up instilling like a, a, a feeling of community when we went to the Zulu parade mm-hmm. that yeah. next morning. And it kind of just wrapped up the whole trip, but to not leave it on such a negative note. Like we had probably the worst place on that parade. It was like at a cross section. So they pushed the gate like even further back mm-hmm. from the actual parade line. So we weren't even close you know, but we were thankful to be there, you know, and it was cold. So we were like huddled up and we were by some nice people. But what I remember is on the actual float, like the men who were in it, they they felt bad for us being so far back. And yes. they were trying, mm-hmm. they were trying really hard to throw things to us. Yes, I but remember. But it was so far. So they so they kept missing. Or they and the then the coconuts kept, were breaking. They were because, broken. Because they were they were having to use so much force to throw them all the way to where we were. So I mean I don't think we got anything from that one. I like, ended up getting a coconut that the guy handed to me. Oh, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So, but I so, mean, and I guess it's important to say too. This was the all black parade. That's that's right. the parade that happens mm-hmm. on Mardi Gras first thing yep. in the morning, and we felt the most safe there. Then we mm-hmm. and we were kind of alone. Uh, we had 
people, but not as many as the night before. And I remember Correct. feeling more safe there than in that crowd of people that did absolutely nothing for us the night before. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we even said that aloud. Like, we, we, we felt that moment, like how surreal it was that we felt more safe and more a part of the community that morning yeah more welcome in that morning when you know there wasn't a lot of people and we were amongst other people of color like us but compared to the night before where we were surrounded by a ton Mm -hmm. of people and they just stood there and let that happen to us I think I think our experience that night before put everything from the whole trip into perspective it made us Mm -hmm. like we had already noticed the uh, themes of racism and sexism but I think after having that experience we looked at the entire trip in a whole new lens and we picked up on other interactions with community members and mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that we met and I remember for example we explained how gross the bathroom situations are in New Orleans and so at a parade kind of early on in the trip, Genesis went and found a restroom in a hotel, came back and said, yeah, go check out that restroom. So I walked to this hotel to use the restroom and I was a couple steps behind this white lady and there was this black man who was the, uh, what is it, the door attendant? Doorkeeper. Yeah, yeah. the door attendant. And uh, she obviously got to him first and he said, oh, are you a guest at this hotel? And she said, no, I just wanted to use the restroom in the lobby. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Restrooms are for guests only. I can't let you in. And she said, okay. And so she left. And then me, just being a couple feet behind her, he looked at me and I just shrugged my shoulders and said, I just wanted to use the restroom too. And then he just looked at me and nodded and opened the door and was like, go ahead and let me in. And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, you know, I was super grateful yeah. I didn't have to go use those porta potties and it was happened right in front of my eyes like that camaraderie, you know, he mm-hmm. had my back taking and, care of you. Right. And, and there was other times like that too. We met other people, we made friends. Yeah, so we did make a friend at the parade and you know, we made we were vibing with him so much that we kind of asked him some of our questions about you know, what we felt like from the parade and the racism and things like that. And he did solidify it for us. And, you know, he told us you have to remember where you are. We're in the South. Yeah. So the people we did connect with uh, definitely like put it in per- put it into perspective for us that it's not new. You know, obviously it was new to us seeing it in person, but that they that's what they lived through. Mm-hmm. And that is what it is. Our experiences with the community as a whole outweighed the experience that we had that night to the point that we wanted to go back. And I think in the future, we will go back. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think at the end of the day, that's kind of why we wanted to tell this story. You know, this podcast was supposed to be like a safe space for us to tell our experiences. And Mardi Gras, when I talk about it to people i say that it has been one of the best trips we've ever taken but it also houses one of the worst moments i think we've had together a couple, as a group. A couple moments for yeah for you know you all too yeah yep exactly you know hearing 
their bad news in the very beginning of the trip. Ending um, it on that note. Yeah. But I mean, I would say we wanted to highlight in the other podcasts the joys that it brought us because Mardi Gras is a fun time. There is a lot mm. of culture and beauty to everything that goes on there. And I would say just because, yes, historically, there's a, a lot, a lot in it. Um, it. I wouldn't say it should deter you from going. Mm-hmm. If anything, though, just, you know, know what to expect. Do your research because we thought we did our research, but mm-hmm. we didn't research the the things that maybe we should have. So you can do your research or look up the crews that promote women or yeah, definitely do your research, be safe and have fun because the community is one of a kind. Yeah, definitely. We love new Orleans. We love Mardi Gras for the things that, um, you know, that we got from it, but definitely historically it's rich, good and bad. And despite that, We have been back a second time, but these Latinas plan to go a third time, and this time on an all-female float, motherfuckers. Let's take a sip to that. Crew day! Crew 